Brought to you by the Appleseed. It's like a regular episode. Only shorter. We call them bites. Thanks for joining us for an Appleseed Bite, a mini-episode of the show, just a few minutes long, a single story long, in case you only have a few minutes and you want to fill them with some great storytelling. And we've got some great storytelling for you today. We want to remind you, of course, that we bring you a few of these bites each week in preparation for our full hour-long episode that drops each Thursday, an hour filled with stories for you and your family this Thursday. Join us for a visit to the Appleseed Studio from Andy Offit Irwin, the Georgia storyteller responsible for the Aunt Marguerite stories. Aunt Marguerite and the people in her world make for a great uh, storytelling adventure every time you hear one of Andy's stories. And on Thursday, you'll hear Aunt Marguerite talk about uh, liberty and lightening the world. That, of course, is the proper name for the piece of sculpture that you and I know as the Statue of Liberty. Don't miss that on Thursday. In the meantime, I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by Brian Tanner, our producer. Brian, thanks for joining me. (laughs) 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 You're going to have to explain yourself. Oh, yes. Well... (laughs) Once you listen to this story, it'll become clear to you why I went, (laughs) so we've got a story for you today called How the Camel Got His Hump. Sure. It is by the South Carolina storyteller, Tim Lowry. Yeah. Um, And he's somebody who we have on the Appleseed often. Um, Yeah. And- Sometimes he's telling personal tales. Like, for instance, we featured a story of his recorded live in our Appleseed Studios back episode uh, seven of season two, um, where he was talking about how he got this fancy Buffalo Bill fringy right. jacket. Fringe yeah. jacket. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but how I got the jacket exactly, is the name yeah. of the story. Yeah. Uh, but today, he, this isn't a personal story. This is uh, what you might call a pourquoi story. It's like, how did something come to be the way that it is? Yeah. And the title of this story tells you what we're going to learn, how it came to be, how the camel got his hump. <laughs> this is uh, actually part of a cycle of stories written by Rudyard Kipling, uh, part of his Just So stories, the group of stories that we refer to as the Just So stories. And they came to have that name because Rudyard Kipling would tell them to his uh, little daughter at bedtime. And, and Brian, maybe you can relate to this. The stories always had to be told just so. Yeah. Right? If uh-huh. you make a mistake, the daughter says, no, that's not the right way the story goes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You got to tell it this way. Pointing out things you left out. <laughs> yep. I'm, that's I've right. been there. Yeah. And this is just one of, of many of those stories. Uh, Tim Lowry, again, Again, as Brian mentioned, tells personal stories, but tells stories from all over the world, traditional folk tales and other stories. And this is, again, one of these Rudyard Kipling tales, how the camel got his hump. Happy to bring it to you here on The Appleseed. In the beginning of time, when the animals first started to work for man, there were chiefly three animals that did the work. There was a dog. And there was a horse, and there was an ox. Now, in addition to those three, there was another animal. It was a camel. He lived in the middle of the howling desert, for he was a howler himself, and he was most scruciatingly idle. That means he never did any work. He just stood there all day, looking at his reflection in a pool of water, chewing on a milkweed or a cactus, and if anyone spoke to him, all he would say was, hum, only hum, just hum, and nothing else. 
On Monday, the very first day of the world, the man called the dog to fetch and carry for him. The dog came running into the desert and said, Camel! Oh, camel! Come and fetch and carry like the rest of us! But the camel simply said, Hmph! So the dog went away and told the man. On Tuesday, at the beginning of the world, the second day of work, the man called the horse to trot for him. The horse came trotting into the desert and said, Camel! Oh, camel! Come out of this desert and trot like the rest of us! But the camel simply said, Hmph! So the horse went away and told the man. On the third day of the world, Wednesday of the first work week, the man called the ox to pull his plow. The ox came plodding into the desert and said, Camel, oh camel, come and plow like the rest of us. But the camel simply said, So the ox went away and told the man. Now, after those first three days of work, the man asked the animals how the work was going, and they all began to complain. The dog said, and the horse said, and the ox said, they were all saying the same thing, really. They were complaining about that hump thing in the middle of the desert that wouldn't do any work. Oh, said the man, that is the camel. He's never yet learned how to behave, and I can't do a thing with him. If he won't do any work, that means that there's going to be more for the three of you. And that made the three very angry. So they sat down to have a Punjab and a palaver and a powwow. Those are all very important meetings. And while they were having their important meetings, the magic jinn came rolling along in his great dust cloak. That's the way magic jinns always travel, by dust cloak. He settled himself down next to the three, and he said, Three, oh three, how is the work progressing? And they all told him about the camel in the middle of the howling desert. Ah, that's my camel for all the gold in Arabia, said the jinn. I asked the camel to help me plow, said the ox, and all he would say was, Hmm, said the jinn. I asked the camel to help me trot, said the horse, and all he would say was, Hmm, said the jinn. And I asked the camel to help me fetch and carry, said the dog. And all he would say was, Wait right here, said the magic jinn. I'll humph him if you'll kindly wait a minute. He rolled himself up into his dust cloak and took a bearing across the howling desert, because that's where the camel lived. He was a howler himself. And he found him there in the middle of the desert, standing next to a pool of water, admiring his reflection, chewing on a milkweed, most scrutiatingly idle. The magic jinn settled down next to the camel, and he said, Camel, the other animals tell me that you will not help with the work. What do you have to say for yourself? And the camel simply said, Hum! 
I wouldn't say that if I were you, said the jinn, and he started thinking a great magic. While he was thinking his great magic, he kept asking questions of the camel. On Monday, the dog asked you to fetch and carry with him. How do you respond? And the camel said, Hum! Don't say that, said the jinn. And he went right on thinking his great magic. On Tuesday, the horse asked you to trot with him. What do you have to say for yourself? And the camel simply said, Hum! I'm warning you, you might say that once too often. Then the ox asked you to plow with him. How do you respond to his request? said the jinn. And the camel again said, Hum! All right, I've run out of patience said the jinn, and all of a sudden, out of the magic that he was thinking, came a huge lolloping humph. It flew up on a cloud of smoke and landed right on the camel's back, which in those days was very smooth and beautiful, if I do say so myself. Now, I want you to go and work with the three, said the jinn. But how can I with this big hoop thing on my back? That's made a purpose. You can work for three days and live off the fat in your humph. You brought it upon yourself by saying humph once too often. Now, camel, humph yourself. And he did, humph and all. He ran to work with the three. You can still see the camel to this very day. He's usually running, trying to catch up with the three days of work he missed at the beginning of the world. And he still has that hump thing on his back. But we call it a hump, not to hurt his feelings. And that is how the camel got his hump. <laughs> the South Carolina storyteller Tim Lowry with the Just So story from Rudyard Kipling, How the Camel Got His Hump. And now we know why Brian Tanner, our producer, uh, uh, introduced the story today with a great big humph. Humph. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> if I just do that enough times, can I get out of right. uh, <laughs> having to talk about the story right now? Yeah, that's kind of... The... <laughs> It's it's kind of an interesting, you know, we, we talk about this story as a poor qua story, right? A story mm -hmm. that in a storytelling way explains a phenomenon in the world. And we don't pretend for a moment that that's actually how camels got their humps. The story is actually for something different, right? Mm -hmm. It's to teach us a little something. Uh, 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 it's to teach us a human lesson. These animal stories are really human stories, yeah. right? Yeah, uh-huh. And I think this ha one has a lot to teach about attitude yeah. and the way that you can develop a <laughs> reputation, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so the, the camel is going to be cursed forever with, with this kind of reputational, yeah. you know, something you can just look at and remember, oh, yeah, that's because he was lazy at the beginning of the world. That's right. You know? Yeah. Do you ever find yourself in home moments? I mean, do you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't, you know? I feel like you're... Not being completely truthful if you say you never feel that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it is, you know, as you say, it is a, a, a kind of a testament to the phenomenon that if if you keep being a certain way, yeah, uh, you wind up not only getting a reputation for being that way, but maybe being that way as a yeah. part of your character, you know. Yeah, that's true. And that's tough. Yeah. Um, 
And that can be pretty hard to shed. Yeah. You're probably going to have to uh, go the other direction, you yeah. know, pr- pretty hard to get people to show people like, no, I've changed. I'm different. I have a better attitude. Yeah. And and you can't fault people uh, exactly if they've they've been around you for long enough and known like, well, he's usually this way. If it takes them a while to come around or, yeah. or kind of begin to trust you. but And certainly the opposite is true. You know, I look at my own children, for example, and I see some of the really kind of integral, wonderful qualities that they have. And I see how they began to build those qualities when they were little, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and you, you may not have noticed those seeds growing, but now they're you know, they're, they're trees of character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my kids are still young, uh, nine and seven, but I like to look at them and say like, huh, how are they going to be when, when they're older? What, is there anything I'm seeing now yeah. that, that will be the seed yeah. that you're saying that, that I'll see later down the road? Yeah. And if there's a kitchen table conversation to have, it might be to talk with the people that you love and say, here is a quality that I see you building in yourself that I think is going to yield good fruit, that I think is going to be a neat aspect of your character. Yeah. Or maybe you can bring up childhood remembrances and say, like, you know how I like to do X right now? When I was a kid... I really enjoyed doing this kind of thing, which which I see is kind of like part of a lineage of the of this trait. Yeah. Here. Well, hearing the story is just the beginning. We always hope that the stories that we bring you here on the show spark memories and conversation for you with the people that you love. It's been a pleasure to listen to How the Camel Got His Hump, a story told for you by the great South Carolina storyteller Tim Lowry. And of course, join us on Thursday for an episode of The Appleseed in which you'll hear a story from the terrific Georgia storyteller Andy Offit Irwin, who joined us to tell one of his Aunt Marguerite stories. You'll hear Aunt Marguerite talk about liberty and lightening the world. That, of course, is the proper name for the Statue of Liberty. You won't want to miss that episode. I'm Sam Payne. Can't wait to be with you again on The Appleseed. Thanks for joining us for a bite! Brought to you by The Appleseed.